Well, good morning and welcome. Thanks for joining us. And if it's your first time here, uh, a special welcome to you this morning. We're, uh, we've been journeying through the book of 1 Peter and what it means to be the people of God. And we've been doing that for the last six weeks. And, and this week is our last week together doing that. Many of you have seen me involved in, in our services, but not particularly in this role. So I think you should know a little bit, a little bit of personal info about me. So, you know, we sort of connect, you get to know me, maybe I get to know you, but just so that we sort of connect and you go on this journey with me. So what I want to tell you is that I like a bit of football. Yes, I've probably lost half of you by now, but um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Richmond supporter and uh, I'm not really a tragic Richmond supporter. I think you'll find Simon Fee in our community caring is a tragic Richmond supporter. But you've got to know that during the, during the 1990s and during the 2000s, they were really, really awful, awful years. And, uh, and I suffered a bit like this kid here. I suffered through those years trying to follow a team that was not going so well. Um, but what made this suffering bearable was the hope of glory to be revealed. And in 2017, the hope of glory was revealed. Look at that. That's glory. Apparently there's uh, confetti cannons in glory. There you go. <laughs> anyway, let's pray together. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us. So help us to ad adopt a posture of, of listening and anticipation. Open our ears and open our hearts to be receptive to your word today. We pray in your name. Amen. Before we get to the final chapter in, in 1 Peter, we do need to look at the last few verses of chapter 4 and Peter's final thoughts on persevering. So I do apologise for my rather cheeky illustration at the start and I don't want to make light uh, suffering or persevering, but it's to remind us to keep the end in sight. When we think about the glory that is to come, it gives us a different perspective if we're suffering. It helps us to endure. Let me read these words. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is in time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So uh, last week, Dave uh, tackled chapter 3, that suffering is a part of the Christian journey. 
specifically focusing on, on suffering verbal abuse through either misunderstanding or, or malice. Peter here in chapter 4 has escalated the suffering from that to a broader context of suffering for just being a Christian. You've heard throughout this series of the context and the audience to which Peter writes, an early church that's under pressure of persecution. And he writes to them, instructing them to continue being the people of God and to continue on God's mission, even though they face persecution. To not shy away from society or retaliate, but to stand strong as God's people, to live faith out loud despite the persecution that they face. And for us today, the reality is there is a real cost in, in being the people of God because not everyone is going to love you as, as a Christian. In fact, most people in this world won't. We may not be able to identify with the physical persecution of the early church, but most of us can identify with being isolated or even find yourself in unfair circumstances because you're a Christian. And so these verses in chapter 4 are, are an extension to the message of last week. Look, I'm only going to spend a brief time in, in, these, in these verses here, but they are key in helping us to understand suffering and how it is that Christians are actually blessed in the midst of suffering. Believers are blessed through suffering because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We read this in verse 14. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. All believers have the Holy Spirit within, don't you agree? But the spirit also rests in a unique way on those believers who are suffering for their faith. And we see this throughout scripture. The spirit is both active in all believers and comes upon rests, fills in some unique ways at distinct times in the, for those who are in the midst of suffering. The Holy Spirit manifests his presence in, in different ways, like when Peter miraculously escapes from prison, or in more subtle ways when we experience inexplicable peace and, and a real connectedness to, to God in, in, and having rich times of prayer uh, and closeness to God during uh, periods of suffering. So what Peter is saying here in these verses is this. God is especially close to his people in difficult times. And if God gives his spirit in a special way in these times, it's an encouragement to us that we're on the right path and to keep going. And the second part, second half of this passage affirms this and can be summed up by this last verse. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In fact, this last verse summarizes the whole First Peter letter. You know, Christians don't suffer accidentally or from blind fate. Rather, they suffer according to God's will. This at first sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But when you really dwell on this thought that we are in his will, 
There is no better comfort in suffering than that. It is God's perfect and pleasing will. For in that, in that knowledge, there lies a limit to the suffering, both in its intensity and its duration. A limit set and maintained by God, who is our creator, our saviour, our sustainer, and our loving father. Also comforting in this thought is that the suffering is only for our good, purifying us, drawing us closer and making us more like him in our lives. So we could summarize this chapter, chapter, chapter four with this. God is working out everything uh, according to his plan. So when he places you in the midst of suffering, trust him and keep doing good. Trust him and keep doing good. I want to leave that, uh, that command and that response with you just there. That's not the end of the message. We're going to chapter 5. So to get us to chapter 5, let's do a little bit of recapping. You know, with this letter, Peter has covered almost all you need to know um, as being the people of God. We are now in a different position with Christ. We are now uh, a different position with the world. Uh, we are born into a living hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet, we've got to live as a stranger here, learn what it is uh, and practice what it is to be holy and learn what it is to have self-control, which we can do now because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. All of this, Peter wrote for the church that was suffering under persecution. And for Peter, there was a, there was a real danger for the church to, to crumble or crack or, or, or to fragment. That's interesting. And so with this in mind, Peter moves towards the final instructions and sort of reaches a crescendo with this last chapter. And he turns our attention to relationships within the church community. So let's read. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over others, of those that are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So today the focus uh, in this reading will be the relationships within the church, addressing first and foremost the elders and then the young in faith and then the whole church. So we might understand the title uh, elder or the title young doesn't necessarily mean it's age-related. 
Uh, we can be young in age, but be mature in our faith and have a great grasp of scripture, scripture and have good influence in our community. Or we could have journeyed many years not knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And maybe in our latter years, we've finally come to, uh, come to understanding of faith. And even though we're advanced in years, we can be young in faith and learning about the foundations of faith still. And so our, our spiritual maturity isn't necessarily age-related. So as we dig deeper into this text, let me ask you this question. Who is it that you identify with most? Do you consider yourself an, an elder, mature in faith? Or are you someone who, who may have recently come to faith and still getting to know Jesus and wanting to follow him in this early stages of your journey? So what I want you to do is align yourself with one or the other as we continue on. So Peter, when he addresses the church community, he starts with the elders, the leaders of the church. And that really comes as no surprise that he does that because they are the leaders. And it's no real surprise that he instructs them to take care of the flock. However, as, as many scholars suggest, it was actually the elders back then who were the ones who were copying the most pressure from society and persecution from society. And so reflecting, reflecting on this, um, maybe it's a little strange that Peter does tell them to straight off the bat look after the flock. Why wouldn't he start with something like this? Look, church, I understand you guys are all under pressure and I understand that you're really feeling this persecution, but your leaders are really hurting. So, and they're really copying and hammering. So what I want you to do is this. Please gather around them. Let's just support them, come together and, and, and love on them. But Peter doesn't say that. What Peter says is, elders care for the flock. And it's a bit of a direct self-sacrificial instruction, isn't it? It's because spiritually mature people have a greater responsibility they have a greater responsibility in being an example to the church community. Be shepherds of God's flock. Ezekiel 34 gives us a fuller sense of what it means to be a shepherd caring for his sheep. And, and if you identify as being a spiritually mature person, a leader, a life group leader, um, I'm going to encourage you for a little bit of homework to, to reread Ezekiel 34. Um, it's a little bit sobering because there's a few prophetic woes through there, but it really does give us an extension, a fuller sense of what it means to be uh, a shepherd of God's flock. But Peter actually draws on this Old Testament scripture, and let's see what, uh, what that has to say for us today. So in Ezekiel 34, 4, 6, God's sheep need someone to strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the strays and search for the lost. Without good shepherds, God's people will be scattered and become food for all the wild animals. And so Peter says this, elders are to care for the suffering. Also in Ezekiel 34 verse 3, God condemns the shepherds who profit material from their role as shepherd without caring for the flock. Peter says, Peter urges the, the, the elders not to serve for financial gain. Also God condemns shepherds who rule harshly or brutally. 
But Peter urges the elders not to lord their authority over those who are entrusted to them. And so as elders, yes, yes, there are key responsibilities and key attitudes. And they are these. Remember, these are God's sheep, not yours. Serve willingly. Be eager to serve and not pursue dishonest gain. And not lord it over others, but be an example. In short, Peter is saying this. Take care of God's church. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because you want to. And you want to because you have a desire to be obedient to God. And he has placed his call on your life to be that example. Don't be selfish, but be selfless in all you do. And don't be a control freak. Well, Peter doesn't actually say that, but in essence, that's what he's saying. Don't be a control freak. It's not about you. It's about the community. Be a servant leader and lead with humility. You know, we live in some really challenging times and, uh, and we've all had our resilience tested with, with COVID-19 pandemic, haven't we? And there's international tension building around the world. There's so much negativity going on. And, and we as a church, we aren't exempt from that. We haven't experienced this type of isolation that we're experiencing now. Like in Peter's day, is the current church in danger of fragmenting uh, because of this outside pressure? I'm not saying this, but let's not do, let's not be in a holding pattern during this time, waiting for things to go back to normal. Let's keep building a positive and, and encouraging culture within, within this community of faith. Let's commit to being open to his spirit on how we do this and when to do this through these times. All right, then Peter turns his attention from the elders to those who are young in faith. In the same way, you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders. And in these first four words, I think they're key here, in the same way. It's a reference and a link to what he said to the elders. You see, if the elders are responsible for taking care of those young in their faith, then those who are young in their faith are responsible for submitting to the elders. You know, I mentioned earlier, back in Peter's day, it was the elders who were copying the most pressure. But I reckon today it's, it's those that are young in faith that are, that are struggling with faith and, and really feeling the pressure. You know, society continue, continually locks, mocks people who, who believe in God. And, and it's those who are young people, it's the ones, those young ones that are feeling this pressure, a pressure to conform to society and, uh, and with alcohol and drugs and sex. You know, the society and culture is off the rails. So if there's one application that this verse is saying to those of you young in faith is find someone, find some people uh, whom you respect, who exhibit uh, spiritual maturity or, or are recommended by others. Make it a priority to, to study them, to, to look at them, to seek them out, to have them as a mentor, to learn from them to watch them and to listen to them and listen to their advice or submit to their teaching and their guidance. Um, they are further down the road of this spiritual maturity than, what, than, than yourself. 
So seek out a mentor. You know, earlier in, in my journey, um, for seven years, I had a mentor. And we would meet weekly. We'd, we'd walk most Friday mornings. If it was wet, we'd be inside. But Friday mornings, that was our time together. And to have him as, as a guide and to make me accountable and to really just sow into my life was absolutely incredible. Um, it was a great encouragement in my life. My only regret is that I didn't get onto that sooner. Well, finally, Peter addresses the whole church. He says this, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And that Hebrew word for, for cast is abandon. Abandon your worries to the Lord. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy is the devil. Uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of all believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So here Peter gives us some real practical advice for the whole church. And there are two sort of great pillars or bookends here. Be humble and to stand firm in your faith. Be humble and stand firm in your faith. And when we clothe ourselves with humility, we, we lose arrogance, we lose pride, we lose selfishness. But what we gain is this posture of listening, of learning and, and contributing. And Peter calls us to stand firm in our faith. But he lets us know that we aren't alone. We stand together. We are united with believers right throughout the whole world. And it's this sense of one for all and all for one. And so how do we stand strong? Verse 10 says, And the God of all grace, I love that, the God of all grace, who called you to this eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So earlier I asked you to consider who do you identify with the most? Are you a leader? Are you mature in your faith? Or are you just coming along, um, along the journey? You know Jesus, but you're, you're, you're young in your faith journey. No matter where you stand on this faith scale of being mature or younger, this passage speaks to all of us. Because when it comes to the church, when it comes to being the people of God, we're all in this together. It's all, it's one, all for one and one for all. And we all have a part to play. We all have this, this opportunity to contribute, to encourage, uh, and to build one another up and to submit to one another in love. And when we do this, we are truly being the people of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your spirit that moved Peter to write this letter for us. 
Father, you know in this season there are external pressures on us. And your word today reminds us that this can impact on our internal relationships with each other, within teams. And so we stand together and attend to that today. Father, remind us again that your grace saves us and sustains us. Remind us that we, that being the people of God hasn't changed. Our mission hasn't changed. Our calling hasn't changed. And help us to keep the end in sight. You are the God of all grace. Praise your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go into a final song. And this song is called Bound for Glory. The world is not my home. I'm here just for a moment. And if Peter was to ever write a song, it'd be pretty close to that. Let's sing together.